0: Good morning. Good to see everybody. Um, anyway, um, I want to just set um, in the beginning here just some expectations. I think it's good to you know what you're getting into um, before we start off here. But um, anyway, sometimes I think you'll have a speaker come up and they seem to be a, a mastery of the subject uh, on whatever it is. Like they know the scriptures backwards and forwards, left and right? Um they know their topic and what they're gonna speak about, and not only do they know it, but they've lived it. And that's not me today. So anyway, I just um wanted to set that expectation. This is uh the message that I'm gonna to bring today is just something that's been kind of weighing on me, um that's kind of been heavy on my heart, um and uh one that I want to get better in. so that's kind of what I hope uh to impart to you this morning. Um this kind of has been a, a bit of a work in progress, I would say. We um, each um, Sunday school season, as I um, co-teach the junior high and high school class, I think about, I try to think about a, um, a doctrinal topic that would be important for them to know, and then sometimes we'll alternate that with more of a practical living topic. And so this year, starting last fall, uh, we've been going through a book on the Holy Spirit. And because um, they, I think they were interested in, um, they expressed an interest in knowing more about spiritual gifts. So I thought, well, before we kind of understand what spiritual gifts are, I think it'd be important to know what the Holy Spirit is and who he is and what he does and all of that. And So we've been going through this book. Um, it's an Emmaus course called The Holy Spirit at Work, which has been really good, I think. So um, I hope they found it as beneficial as I do. We're almost done with this book and then... Uh, we'll have, uh, I think, the last part of this Sunday school tees- season we'll teach on uh, kind of talk about spiritual gifts, which is also kind of timely because Pete uh, did his message on spiritual gifts uh, in the months past. And then the ladies have their retreat in which they also talked about spiritual gifts. So there seems to be kind of a moving of the spirit about the spirit uh, lately. So, uh, but what I want to talk today um, about is... Um, um, the uh, helps of the spirit so and uh, kind of one of the reasons by that is uh, I just feel you know uh, one of the um, feelings that come across in being an elder and husband and everything else, worker, um, all of those things is just the the uh, massive responsibility that carries with it. And uh, and with that, often comes a feeling of uh, inadequ- inadequacy, um, ill-equipped, um, whether it's time or knowledge or uh, whatever it might be, um, just not feeling up to the t- up to the task. And so, um, with that, I think though too is that's why I think we need to know how the Spirit helps, and then how to enable that help in our life. Um, in my simple little way, I, I like to kind of boil things down into things I can understand. And of course, this Holy Spirit is a very kind of can be a confusing and, and complicated topic. Um, and I don't know if there's ever a, a real, a good analogy that works backwards and forwards in teaching about the Holy Spirit. Um, but in my simplistic way of thinking of it, I kind of think of it in a way as, um, as almost like a cell phone. <laughs> Only I look at this as the believer is the cell phone, okay, and then the Holy Spirit is the battery that kind of indwells that believer, um, that gives that 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 believer power and strength. But as we work in the ministry and as we serve, uh, that battery can get drained, and thus we need to have recharged. And that's what I would, so the battery would be the indwelling of the Spirit. Then that filling up or that recharging would be the filling of the Spirit. And, um, and I was, I was talking with Valerie about this on the way here today, just to see if this made sense. But then I would look at the help of the spirit would be kind of like a poor signal. Sometimes you get into a, a range where you just don't have signal and uh, you're not communicating with that tower. In this case, the tower would be the Lord. Um, and so how do we enable in our lives to have that spiritual connection, that spiritual power uh, that God has said he's given to us? So. Again, that's all by way of introduction this morning. So, um, again, not a perfect analogy, I understand, and, uh, but again, that's just my simplistic way of kind of thinking about it uh, today. So, and uh, really this feeling, um, really I think it's, uh, if you turn with me into Romans chapter 7, and uh, we'll start there, and again, this is just kind of by way of introduction, but the last few verses of Romans chapter 7 kind of set up. From where I'm speaking, at least in the beginning here today. And of course, Romans 7, uh, talks about, um, you know, the, the, uh, place of the law in the believer's life. Um, and it gets to the very end. Um, and it's, and Paul says, he says, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity. And bringing me into captivity, the law of sin which is in my members, a wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with my mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. And I don't know about you, but I think you know there's life can kind of get you down, and you kind of feel that way about. Um, just this conflict, this war uh, that Paul has between the flesh and the spirit in the life of a believer. And there's many things that kind of get in the way of that, and we'll talk about some of those. Um, but that's that signal that I'm referring to, that that lost connection uh, between living and walking in the spirit and then walking in the flesh. And so what's the solution then? Well, that gets us to Romans chapter 8. So if you need to, turn the page. But And Romans eight starts out really strong um, with a really great hope for the believers that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And so that's a great way to segue from this feel this warring of the two, um, the self and the spirit, into there is there there is now therefore no condemnation. And I thank God for that verse. Um, that He's not just left us here to wallow and wonder about, uh, but He's actually given us um, His Spirit uh, for the help in these matters. And so um, the um, and of course so we you know we have this teaching on gifts of the Spirit. The again the help of the Spirit is different from those. Um, I think as Pete had mentioned in his message, um Wrote Ephesians 4:12 is one of the overriding verses I think in um gifts of the spirit which says that uh for the equipping of the saints of the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. Um in if in fact it, um so that's the Ephesians 4:12 for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. So that's kind of the overriding theme of spiritual gifts. Um, and if you look in Acts chapter 2 and if you kind of go through and Look at, um, how the Spirit came upon people in Acts 2. You'll find a lot of the filling of the Spirit in Acts 2 was for the purpose of, of ministry, of spreading the gospel. So again, uh, giving people the strength to do that. And again, the helps of the Spirit is different from fruits of the Spirit. So I think we all know the fruits. We all know the song and what those are. And of course, that's the outward expression, uh, of the, of, uh, the joy that lies within us. And then it's also different than the work of the Spirit. So just to distinguish those kind of four things, gifts, fruits, work, and help. And so, again, what I want to talk about today is the help of the Spirit. Um, I was looking, as I was studying through this, I came across a, a book by A.J. Gordon. He's an old 1800s um, uh, preacher. And he has a book called The Ministry of the Spirit, in which he outlines the seven helps of the Spirit found here in Romans 8 and I've kind of boiled those, some of those together to just really come up with four just to make my outline a little more simple. And I'll tell you what those are as we go through because I don't have any uh, PowerPoint behind me. So I'll, I'm going to try to make it real clear when I come across one of my new points. And then if you're into highlighting or marking your Bible, you can put a little note by certain verses that I think are, are key for these four helps. Okay. And so the first one that I want to go through... Is found in uh, in chapters, or excuse me, Romans eight and then uh, sec, uh, two and three. And so it says, "For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, on account of sin, He condemned sin in the flesh." And so that's my first point, is really verse 2 of Romans 8, and that's the freedom in service. As sinners, um, I think you all know this, and, and before Christ, uh, you're helpless. There's nothing you can do but obey um, the, um, or disobey the law, but obey the law of the flesh. Uh, you That's the only thing you have in you, is this law of the flesh, which serves its fleshly needs or fleshly desires um, so everything, uh, as an unbeliever, is marked by serving in the flesh, and we have no hope, no help to get over that. In fact, uh, you know that's we see these addictions and these struggles that people have all the time that they're just um, hit, you know they hit rock bottom and they just have no way uh, to get out of these um, these this power that sin, as we would put it, has over them. Uh, but through Christ, it says the law of the Spirit in Christ Jesus has made me free. From the law of sin and death. So as we witnessed last week with the baptisms and those um, young people being raised out of the water to new life in Christ, this is what this is referring to here, that we've been made free from the law of sin and death. So we've been given that power now that we don't have to obey the law of the flesh in our bodies. Though it's there, now we have something within us that's given us that strength to overcome that. Because in Romans, verse 8, 3, it says, For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. So that's not to say, um, and I think we all understand this, but that just to be clear, it's not to say that Christ died um, as a sinner, um, that Christ died in the likeness of sinful flesh. He died in the likeness of man, uh, and he condemned sin in the flesh uh, as such. And so he put that, uh, basically gave us that new power um, to, again, not to live according uh, to the flesh. And so I wanted to, let's see if I have this with me here. I think it's over here. I wanted to give a little illustration. Um, and, again, my, my illustrations may not be totally perfect, but I think you'll get the point here. So if I were to, well, I'm just going to use this little piece of paper here. I thought I had another one. If I were to take this piece of paper and crumble it up, okay, um, this piece of paper, again, would be subject to the law of gravity. So if I throw it out here, it's not going to go very far right now. Of course, I could put a lot more effort into it, um, and who knows how far I'd throw it. But anyway, that paper subjected itself or is subject to the law of gravity and has no choice but to fall to the floor. On the other hand, if I take a similar piece of paper... And I pulled this beforehand, so i wouldn 't have to spend a lot of time up here trying to make a paper airplane. Um, but if I take a similar piece of paper, and we 'll see how this goes and if I launch this, and you in the front rows may get your hands ready because i don 't want to <laughs> poke you in the eye. Uh, but if I take this piece of paper and I throw this out, you know, <laughs> it probably has more to do with my poor design than the but anyway, I think you get the point, so the idea is that that that, um, that paper now has wings. Um, Short of me bringing in a bird in here that would fly on its own around the room and then distract us for the rest of the afternoon, uh, that was all I could come up with. But um, That paper is, again, subject to the law of gravity by itself, but it's when you put wings on it, it has the power to overcome that gravity. And then this is what Christ has done for us. He's given us that power uh, through the Spirit, and he's condemned sin in the flesh um, that we don't have to obey those sinful desires anymore. And then, how do we do that? Um, well, we go on to uh, verses um, four and five. Here it says that that righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And so, the uh, and then it says in verse five, for those who live according to the flesh, set the mind set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. Take a drink here. Um, so we have this—we um, have this ability to overcome the spirit, uh, but we need to walk in the spirit and not walk in the flesh. And so I wanted to take a minute here and uh, look at um, um, walk, what does walking in the flesh mean. So if you take a minute and go to Galatians five eight, excuse me, yeah, Galatians five verse nineteen actually. So, one of the things that kind of as a is a deterrent to us walking in the in the spirit is this weight of sin. Um, you might think of that as like ice on the wings of an airplane uh, that has the ability to weight it down. In fact, uh, when a pilot is uh, before they take off and fly, they have to determine uh, how much weight they have on their airplane and if too, is the, if there 's too much weight. Uh, then that plane isn't able to take off and fly. And I think that weight could be a, a uh, an example of the sin that we might carry, that burden of sin that would carry that would prohibit us from walking in the spirit, from taking wings and, and soaring above that. And if you look at Galatians 5.19, it tells us plainly here what the deeds of the flesh are. It says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, And if you're sitting here thinking, "Well, I'm not that bad of a person. I haven't done all these things," you know, to the extent that we read here, well, that statement alone has just made you a sinner right there. Because John, First uh, John, one ten says, "If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us." But if you think about some of these things, um, you know, these some of these things hit at home. And it's not uh, that I have to murder somebody or I have to be a um, a drunkard on the street corner. Uh, in order to be that obvious of a of somebody who's burdened down with sin, but there are things in our lives that we can get burdened down with that maybe people don't um, know about. Um, things like idolatry, things you know, things that we would put before the Lord, uh, priorities that we would put before um, knowing God and serving Him and serving others. Um, some of these things, uh, jealousies. Um, jealousy can be a, a big secret sin in somebody's life, where you're constantly looking at somebody else and wishing you had that. Um, I think uh, I think we all realize that that's you know social media is a big culprit of that, <laughs> where you look at people's social media posts and everybody's living the perfect life, and you know that your life isn't so perfect, but everybody else's is, or at least it would seem. And um, anyway, that would be a, a jealousy is to looking at that. But we know that everybody struggles with something. Everybody has um, issues in their life that they need help with. And so what we see on the outside isn't always what we see on the inside. Uh, selfish ambitions uh, would be another one. I think another kind of quote-unquote secret sin uh, that would hit us hard. And again, I'm not speaking here from, um, you know, these things I'm, I'm looking in my own life as well. And, uh, you know, just holding up the mirror and saying, okay, what in my life is keeping me uh, from living this spirit-filled life? Having that power uh, of Christ to not only overcome sin, but to serve God uh, to the fullest that I can. Um, so anyway, the and of course it goes on like. And so you can pick the one or a few that apply to you. But um, anyway, there's, um, I think the Galatians 5.19 pretty much... Uh, Spells it out pretty plainly on, on that sin that would entangle us um, in Romans eight eight it says, so then, it, um, as we look down a little bit further in our chapter, if you go back to Romans eight, um, and I 'll just start in verse six actually, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So again, the difference between the two walking in the flesh versus walking in the spirit. Um, and it says, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed uh, in can be. Uh, so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And I think that's the um, ramifications of not leading a spirit-filled life, that we can't, uh, we're can't, we unable to please God. We're unable to do the things that he would call us to do um, and to do them in a way that would honor and glorify him. Um when I look at this um, the uh again going back to earlier what we read in Romans but again God has given us he's condemned sin in the flesh so he's given those us those wings that power to overcome those um, so let's the next uh um, oh and by the way that the uh let's read down a little bit further so verse 9 But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. So this is, again, speaking to us, giving us encouragement. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. And I think those are rhetorical questions, right? So it says, if Christ is in you, well, as a believer, we know that Christ dwells within us. And once that dwelling occurs, that dwelling is... Uh, never to be removed. Our kids just saying, "I'll never pluck you out of my hand." So we we install that from them uh, into them in the very beginning. Um, but if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. And that's my second point: is strength for service. So the. Um, One of the other helps is strength for service. So not only has he given us that freedom in service by conquering death, but he's given us strength to serve him um, in which we don't have in and of ourselves. And if you think about that, it says, um, He who raised Christ from the dead, you think about the power that God has over death and hell. And it's that same power that he's given us to live in this life. Um, that it says that he, if he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit, uh, dwells in you. And that same power that we have from God, that same power that raised Christ from the dead, you think about that power that he had in the crea- in the creation, um, and creating, you know, basically infinite space and the biggest of planets and, and that sort of thing. And it, it, what amazes me is not only uh, he has that power, but he has the power to, Create the tiniest of molecules that we can barely see and know, so and everything in between. That same power God has given to us, um, and it's up to us to live that out in our lives by choosing to walk and live with Him or live for Him. Um, the um, it's just amazing to me that that I think about that and I think about how we struggle in life to you know whatever it might be. Um, whether it's worries um fears in life um difficulties trials whatever that trial might be health financial family whatever there's all kinds of different trials in life uh, but again god has given us his spirit uh, to overcome that and again it's up to us uh, to to walk in that spirit and so my next point if you move on to uh, uh chapter or uh, yeah chapter uh, 8 verse 12 he goes on to say, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. But if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And that's my that's my next point. So we have um, first point was freedom in service. Next point was strength for service. This point is guidance in service. So God will lead us. And how many of us? Um, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of us? Um, there, there seems to be this ever constant searching for the will of God, um, your overall will of God in our life. You know, um, you know, my, the direction I go, the occupation I have, the person I marry—these big things in life. But also for little, you know, smaller things: Do I buy this house, or do I buy this car, or do I? Um, go to this church, or you know and what, you know all these little things what is god 's will in my life and that 's another help that the spirit gives us that he leads us. it says, or as many are as led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God um, the The leading of the spirit also I think involves an act of trust as you 're not going to go very far with somebody you don 't trust, and I think ultimately God, in all of the things that he does for us wants us to trust him um, as he leads us. And that sometimes is hard to do because, you know, we'll go to places um, that we don't necessarily uh, want to go. So I look at Valerie. She smiles because it's kind of been the theme of our marriage as far as her kind of, a, you know. My my One of the things I do is try to get her to expand her comfort zone, but then she'll put that back on me sometimes too. But um, anyway, the uh, um, you know, just in... Um, being willing to trust God. And um, somebody reminds me of um, a, uh, an, ex, a, uh, an example or a uh, kind of an analogy I heard in this is uh, the difference between faith and trust. Um, if you watched a, a man walk a wheelbarrow across a rope stretched between the two edges of the um, uh, Niagara Falls, and you watched him do that back and forth back and forth, back and forth, would you believe that he could do it another time? And I think you would probably say yes. Um, The trust part is, would you be willing to get in the wheelbarrow as he walks back and forth, back and forth, back and forth? Um, That's two different things, faith and trust. And so, and again, God has given us his spirit. We can be led by him. We can trust him. He's proven himself trustworthy time and time again. Uh, though sometimes I know that trust is hard to do as we encounter a new thing in life and uh, a new experience or a new trial, um, just to trust him uh, through that. Uh, but He's again, he's given us his spirit. He says, for as many are led by the spirit, these are the sons of God. And I think that's the promise that we have in him, that second part of that verse, that we are sons of God. We have full rights and privileges of sonship, though we're not born into that um, right and privilege. He's adopted us. Um, it says in verse 15, he says, For you do not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And that term, Abba, Father, David, I think you mentioned this not too long ago in one of the remembrance meetings about uh, has the term of daddy. It's an intimate term of calling somebody your father. And we can do that to God who's saved us, who we can cry out to this God, this big, infinite, mighty God who created everything, and we can cry out to him as Abba Father because we have that adoption um, in him. Um, the um, This idea of um, this uh, guidance and service, um, as we look at verses uh, 14 and 15, um, for as many are led, let's see, the uh, primary word... Let me, Oh, how do we do this? My font's a little small here for my smaller computer. But um, how do we do this? Well, we do this by primarily being in the Word of God um, is how that Spirit bears witness to us. I think we see this in verse uh, 16. It says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Um, so our, the Spirit in us bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. I'll say that as I said again. Um, and how does he do this? He does that by primarily as we read his word, and we see that as his word speaks to us in our life. Um, Ephesians 6, 17, you don't need to turn there, it says that, and um, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So that word of God is that primary weapon we have against those doubts and fears, against that lack of trust and hope uh, that we have in our life. And so we need to be how do we appropriate this, um, this spirit-led life in our lives? Well, we need to be in the word of God and listening to what the spirit would say to us and how that spirit would bear witness uh, with our spirit. And then um, the next thing he says here, he says, um, let's see, we go down to verse 18, he says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And so with that, I think we know that in the Christian life and in the word of God has said so that we will have sufferings. We will have trials and tribulations and God has different purposes uh, for that in our life. Uh, but that suffering that we go through will fail in comparison uh, to the glory that we we'll receive, uh, later in life. So that's, I think we need to hang on to that promise as well. And then we go on to, um, the, uh, um, I'm gonna skip down here to my fourth, uh, moving right along here today. So we might be a little bit early, but we'll see what happens. Um, the Spirit helps our weakness. So the next, uh, the next, um, uh point, the la- the last point here is assistance and service. And we'll talk about this for a minute. And we see this in verses 26 and 27 primarily. Take another drink. All right, so, and I'll start in verse 25, for just a little context. But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And so this idea of, um, you know, he helps our weakness, this word weakness, I think in the King James is rendered uh, infirmities and of course we all know what an infirmity uh, would be and if you look up the greek of that it has the word uh esthenia, esthenia, which is as you might expect um anesthetize or to um it talks it has the meaning of feebleness or moral frailty and if you think of uh, somebody who's been anesthetized that's hard to say for me not in the medical world but um they're they're weak they're frail they're unaware And um, my example on this um, is a. um, I I like sometimes you know of course if you're as you're if you're on social media sometimes you'll see these videos and I I like to watch videos of animals and so once you see one then you get all the others, (laughs) and um, and in particular I think it's interesting to watch people who come across an animal in the wild who needs help. And whether that animal's stuck in something or beached on the beach or whatever it is. And just how they help this animal, you know, get free. And I, I just like that story. So that just tells you a little bit about me, I guess. But um, but I watched this one recently that was actually kind of, it was kind of funny but also kind of, kind of sweet too. But I guess they all are. But this one was of a polar bear. And this polar bear had gotten a can stuck on its tongue. It had stuck its tongue inside this metal can, and then the lid in the can kind of wedged its his, its tongue in there. And this polar bear went up to these people, and it was almost like asking for help. Of course, you know, if one false move, and that polar bear could still destroy, you know, rip a person to pieces. So they were, you know, not getting too close. Um, so finally a group went out and uh, tranquilized it, and they anesthetized that bear so that they could help it. And I think of that, um, and they they did, and they got it out, and everything was fine. But, um, but I think of that um, here. My my analogy to that in this verse is that we too are weak. Uh, we have we're basically like that anesthetized bear when it comes to spiritual matters, um, and we needs God. We need God's help uh, to help us um, become alive to walking in the spirit. Um, and to um, and just enable us to do all the things that we need to do. There's uh, one of those um, um, feelings of inadequacies and, and eldering is just you know the needs in the meeting or at least the ones you know about. Um, it's the ones we don't know about um, that we pray for, um, that we pray that either we could meet or maybe you could meet. Uh, but we know there's needs in the meeting, and we know that there are needs that, uh, probably aren't being met everywhere. I think it would be naive for us to think that every need of every one of you is being met by either one of us or or somebody else. And um, that's you know that's a, a burden uh that we bear. And um but we need God's help. We need his strength uh to give us in that weakness. Uh that we he would um he would help us with all of that. And um there's all kinds of things that we'd want to do too. We'd want to um I know there's probably a lot more things that could be done that aren't being done that, you know, we need your help in letting us know what those are. Um, so I would just ask for that too as well. Um, but there's things, you know, corresponding with missionaries would be one of those things that we would like to see happen. Um, our missionaries have asked for that. Um, you know, they would like to know kind of what's going on in the meeting and who's new and, you know, what activities going on and those sorts of things. Now, Bob Rockhold um, is our—I don't know if you know this—but he's our correspondent, and he writes letters like you wouldn't believe. Um, and um, <laughs> I can't look at him, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if something were to happen to him, um, that wouldn't happen anymore. And I think that would be a, a big hole um in these missionaries who get who get these letters and who get kept, caught up on everything going on in here so uh, so think about that too. if you're good at that, if you like to do that, um we'd really use your help um and i think I think Bob likes to do it, so I think he'll do it as long as he can but um anyway. I'm kind of a crier, so it seems like I cry every time I, I get up here. But um, <laughs> which is funny to Valerie because I never cry with her. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so that's what you get. So um, anyway, maybe maybe a couple times. But um, anyway, the um, but the spirit helps us uh, with that and do those things. So. Um, the other thing that the Spirit gives us help in is what it says in the last part of that um, in verse. And by the way, that 8 Romans eight twenty six is kind of my verse for this point of assistance and service, um, where it says the Spirit helps us in prayer. Um, it says, uh, but the Spirit Himself makes. Or first, it says, for we do not know what we should pray. For as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And I think if there's, as I was reading through this, and um, and um, if there's one verse out of all of these verses in Romans 8 that I like the most, it's this one here, because there's so much in this one verse. Uh, As we talked about, he helps us in our weakness. He gives us the power and the strength to do the things that we don't have think we have strength for. Um, so if you're thinking of something that needs to be done, but you don't have the time or the knowledge, or whatever it might be that's keeping you from doing that, I think you ought to think about that again, and look to the Lord for that help and strength. I'll give you an example before I move on to this next point on prayer. Um, when we lived in Colorado, um, the we were in a big church, probably double this size. And, but they needed help too. There was, the, they, needed help with their Iwana program. And of course I didn't have time for that, nor did I really want to make time for that, but anyway I did. So um, so I was a Iwana commander for a couple years. I think we were only there three years. It might have only been two years, but um, and it was a hall. We had to, we were at least 30 minutes away and often 40, 45, sometimes with traffic in the summer there. And um, so it was a haul to go down there each night. Um, but I tell you, when you got there, you just got energized. Um, my favorite part, I'd say it, of this meeting is when the kids are up here singing. i love to see the what happens. Um, Abel gave us quite the show today. So love that. <laughs> um, but, you know, and again, it's just i love to see their enthusiasm, the fun they have, the um, the care that they have the anyway all of that and let alone the little little you know mischievous things that happen every now and then but um, it just makes you want to be a kid again obviously but um, but we um, when we that going down and doing that again it gave you we were energized of course we were drained on the way home uh but I'll never forget this um, there was one night we had an Awa store and um, if you've been to an Iwana store, um, it's a big to-do. Um, it involves setting out all kinds of trinkets for the kids who've racked up these dollars to go in and buy. It's mostly just, you know, like garage sale type small things. Uh, but the kids would go in there, and they are so excited to go in and buy all these things. Anyway, so this was on an Iwana store night, and we stuck around to help clean up a little bit. And I found a note that one of the uh, neighborhood girls had dropped and left there, and in that note, um, I can't remember, I don't think she wrote I think it was written to her maybe, or maybe she, anyway. But there were things in that note that you would not mention in public uh, to your closest friend about the, and this girl's probably only seven or eight years old, um, things that you would not imagine happening to the the vilest offender, um, the violist sinner, are things that this little eight-year-old girl is experiencing in her life. And um, so we do it for that. We do it for those things. Like the word of God would be implanted in these kids, um, in your kids, um, in order to grow up and live godly lives uh, in the um, in this day and age. And so with that too, in verse twenty six, he says, "But for we do not know how to pray, um, or what we should pray as we ought." And so, um, and it says, "But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us." with groanings which cannot be uttered. And so I, um, my, my kind of takeaway on this is that uh, be careful of criticizing another's prayer. <laughs> um, we sit in the meeting and we have prayer meetings um, and some people are very good uh, prayers <laughs> and some people are a little rough, uh, but the Spirit helps us and helps us to pray for what we ought. And the Spirit himself makes intercession for us. I just think about I'd love to know what's on the other side um, of the of earth or of this realm uh, during prayer meeting and to see all the interpretation that's going on with the Spirit as he presents those prayers uh, to the Lord and making intercession for the saints. It says, in verse 27, it says, Because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now, we know where to pray to the will of God, but the Spirit does that for us as well. He makes intercession for us according to the will of God. And one of the greatest things uh, I think in this verse 26 two is that it says with groanings which cannot be uttered. Um, these are these spirits groanings to God Himself as He passes our prayers along. And you just think about what those groanings must be like. They they cannot even be uttered um, because He's He's there groaning for us as He's making intercession. Um, for us as we pray and so I think that's the other thing that we need to do um, is in our uh, walking in the spirit and is uh, making sure that we're in prayer so we talked about and um, my first point was uh, the freedom we have in Christ over sin that was in found in verses uh, two and three and then we talked about the freedom and service. Or excuse me, not the freedom and service. Uh, we talked about the uh, guidance and service in verse fourteen, and how the Spirit will lead us and guide us. And then we talked about strength and service, uh, which we talked about in Romans eight twenty six, and then uh, which is where we're at uh, now. So, um, and how the how God will help us in all those things in order to walk in a way. Uh, that's worthy uh, of which the um, of, of the grace by which we've been saved, and uh, in, in, in order to please Him, and that the, this walking in the Spirit then would be as opposed to being overcome uh, by the flesh. And then my final closing thought here: we're in the final, um, well, in verses twenty-eight through thirty. I'll we'll just say it says. And I like the way this ends up, uh, this section anyway, of Romans 8. It says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. And I love the way that this is in the past tense, because if you're saved, we know that we won't be justified, uh, we know we won't be glorified until we reach heaven. But these are in the past tense, because once you're saved, that's already been done. That's a given. It's just a matter of time before these things occur. And so we've already, we've been, um, we've been called, um, we've been conformed, um, and then we are also justified and then also glorified. And that's currently. That's not wait. That's a, a hope that we have, uh, knowing full well that that will come to fruition uh, because of what God has done for us. Let's just give him thanks. Mm-hmm. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your word. And we thank you for uh, just the fact that we... Uh, no longer have to walk in sin, and no longer have to be subject to the flesh. But you've given us your Spirit to help us in these things. And Lord, we just pray that um, as we desire to know you and, and walk with you and to fellowship with you, that um, our our fellowship and our and our walk and our, would turn into love uh, more so for you, uh, but also for the saints and then as such we would desire to serve one another to meet each other's needs and serving you with a sincere heart. Lord, we just thank you that you help us uh, that you um, are there to intercede for us uh both on our from our, our uh, that you've interceded in in saving our souls uh but also that you're there to intercede for us as we pray. We just thank you now in Christ's name. Amen.